Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. But this has been a fun series, and today we are actually going to do something that we've never done before that we're really, really excited about. We are going to poll the audience and take live questions. I'm a little scared uh, about marriage. My wife is going to come up and join me here in a little bit. So here's what I need everybody to do. Get out your smartphones. If you've got a web browser on your smartphone, get it out. Come on, play along. Let's get out your smartphones. You guys are going to get them out here as soon as I start talking in a minute. You're going to start playing Flappy Bird or something like that. So go ahead and get them out now and pull up a web browser. And uh, we're going to put the website up here on the screen. This is scspeaks.com. Go ahead and type that into your web browser. Pull it up. And uh, what it's going to pull up is a web page that I created that allows you, there's a box for you to fill out a question regarding anything marriage-related at all. Now, my wife and I, we're going to share some of our story, and then we are going to field some of these questions. Uh, All questions may not get answered during the service, so if you want to make sure that your question gets answered, there's a, you can, you, the name is optional. You can be anonymous if you want to. But if you want me to make sure that I answer this question, whether we talk about it in service today or not, please include an email. And I promise you that my wife and I will respond to you uh, in, the, in email and we can begin a dialogue or a discussion that way. Any questions marriage related. Okay, so that's scspeaks.com. Pull it up. Think about your questions. I'm going to talk for about 15 minutes. So you can be thinking about your questions and, and punch them in. Anybody playing with your phone today? I'll just assume that you're filling out the questionnaire, so I guess get busy on your candy crushing and your flappy bird, okay? All right. So in this series today, my, I'm going to talk a little bit on marriage. My wife will come up and join me in a few minutes, and, uh, and she's gonna, she's gonna, we're going to share a bit of our story, a bit of our struggles, a bit of our, we're going to be very raw and, and very honest with you, and I, I uh, hope that encourages you. Um, but, uh, but I want to let you know what's coming up in the next few weeks. So where are we going with love, marriage, baby carriage? So next week we are going to talk about guys and what guys wish every woman knew about men. Okay. So that's what we'll talk about next week. And then after that, we're not going to worry about anything else the week after. No, I'm just kidding. We're actually going to do what women wish men knew about women. So we will, we will cover that the following week and, um, and, uh, and that'll, that'll, be, uh, that'll be where we're going here in the next couple weeks. And then the final week, we'll, we'll, we'll get to talking about parenting and things like that. So uh, the whites, Mindy is here this morning, but Doug is not. So I want to make sure that I say on the podcast, because I know he and Tyler and Lindy and everybody are down there in South Carolina. They're, they've officially moved down and they've left Mindy behind. We are, we, but, but don't make her cry. All right. Well, I'm going to say howdy, Doug. Howdy, Lindy. Howdy, Tyler. And that's just going to be that. They, they know what that's for. So hi, guys. We miss you. All right, <clears throat> so this series, here's, here's my warning, and I'm going to give this warning every week. Boop, 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 boop. Warning, adult content, okay? I'm going to be talking about things that, that and, and nothing graphic, but if your kids are younger and they're in here and you've not had the conversation about some of the things I'm going to say, please make sure that, that you remove your child from the congregation this morning, maybe, and connect them into the, the children's ministry, um, or be ready to, to, to answer those kind of questions, okay? I've, I've had... <clears throat> plenty of conversations with my children already, and so I, I, I know you're just never prepared when your kid's going to ask those questions. So I'm going to drop some things today, and uh, I, I don't want that to be a surprise, okay? So there's your warning. You do what you like to do from here. Nobody gets to be mad at me. All right, 
Now, Marketing 101 tells you that if you repeat a message enough times, you will remember it, right? So let's see how marketing has done. It has, has worked its magic on you guys. I'm going to sing you out a few slogans, and I want you to finish it by singing it back to me, okay? Don't talk it back to me. Don't be lame. First service wasn't lame. They all sang it back. So sing it back to me, okay? Here we go. Give me a break. Give me a break. Very good, very good. All right, so, so, so you've heard that one before. You've, you've probably heard it hundreds of times. If you grew up around here, you'll know this one. If you don't, you're exempt. It's okay. 3C Body Shop. That's it. Yeah, you got it. All right, all right. So the marketers are doing well. All right, uh, this is one that, that is, is probably nationwide. Every kiss begins with K. That's right, all right. Uh, and this one's one of my favorite ones because it's more re- relative to me. If you know me, you know this is true. I don't want to grow up. All right, all right, enough. You probably all know the whole song, right? So the idea, again, being repeat a message enough times, uh, you actually start to remember it, okay? And so why do I say that? Because we want conversations about relationships to be something we talk about often. Shanda and I talk about relationships often. We enjoy spending time in counseling sessions with couples. We, we like it. We believe that, that relationships and marriage are one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. And they're also one of the most difficult things to navigate. And so we, we love to, to do that. We, we lead marriage uh, groups in our home. And, uh, and so this discussion today will not be the last one we will have. In a few more months, we'll do another one because relationships are incredibly important. And so, um, so we'll do it. And, and the reason they're important is because I think that, that we are influenced so heavily by the books that we read as we grew up, by the stories that we heard, by the magazines that we read. We, we read all about love and we have a wrong image of what love is, right? All the messages that we've heard paint an exaggerated or unrealistic image of, in our minds of what love is, right? Because we so in, in, in stories and books, all those things are great contributors to that. But the biggest one, I think, <coughs> excuse me, the biggest one, I think, to that is uh, movies, Right? This is something we visualize, we hear it, we can watch them over and over again. Netflix allows us to, to view them as many times as we want to. Movies like uh, The Notebook. You guys seen this movie? Never seen it, but I know what it's all about. You know why? Because on my wedding night, I gave a gift to my wife. And it was a, a notebook that I had journaled in from our first date uh, through, through our dating life and how I asked her to marry me and, and then leading up to the wedding, how nervous I was, all my feelings and things like that. It was like this leather-bound book that had a red heart embossed on it, and I gave it to her. And this is my honeymoon night, okay? We just got to the hotel, and I said, hey, I have a gift for you. Do you want it now or do you want it after? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah? And so... And so... Uh, and she says, well, I want it now. And I'm like, great. She, so, so I give her this gift and she opens it up and she just starts crying, just bawling. Mascara is running. My pretty wife is now marred by mascara and makeup is running down her face. And she's still pretty. She was still pretty. Okay, just saying. But, but now she's just, she kind of looks streaky, mad a little bit, you know. And um, this is not how I wanted my, my wedding night. I'm like, what are you? She's like, oh, it's the, it's the notebook. And I'm like, what do you mean it's the notebook? I'd never... I didn't, I'm like, it's a journal, I journal, she's, no, the movie, so that's why I know what The Notebook is about, okay, but we have movies like that, that, that over, over-dramatize relationships and, and love, and say that it's something grander than, than, than what it is, and paints these images in our mind, like, uh, movies also like Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, uh, you guys remember Titanic, everybody seen Titanic, right, so we, we think love, the uh, image we have in our mind is Jack and Rose on the deck, and the arms out like this, and I'm flying, Jack, I'm king of the world, you know, and and that's great. That's love. That's so exciting. But you want to really know what love is, right? Really know what love is? Fast forward to the end of the movie. 
where she's laying on a plank and he's in the water and she's like, Jack, I'll never let go. Jack, I'll never let go. Jack, I'll never let go. What does she do? She lets go. Girls be tripping. Let me tell you what. They just let go. Let go. So if you want to know what real love is, that's what it is. Sorry. Excuse me for being. <clears throat> so I, I say we develop a picture of what love is, is, is this emotional, is this passionate. It, it's filled with dramatic entries and fireworks and right. And we know that that's what it is. Like when it first starts, the first few months of it's that way. Uh, but, but we know from that, we know that in our experience that falling in love is easy, right? You know, when I was a kid, anybody here ever fallen in love? Anybody? Come on, let's see some hands. I'm throwing a hand up here. Anybody falling in love? All right, so that's across the room. That's across the room. And uh, some of you married folks ain't raising your hands. I don't, want, I don't know what's going on there. We'll talk later. Seek me for counseling. Um, no, but, but when I was a kid, you know, I, I fell in love, right? Anybody remember Candace Cameron on Full House? I was in love. Yeah. Yeah. Candace Cameron, I loved her. Or maybe, maybe for some of you, if you didn't watch Full House, maybe you watched Saved by the Bell and it was Kelly Kapowski, right? Tiffany Amber Thiessen, right? Love, loved her. Uh, or there was uh, Angelina Jolie growing up. I was for me. For you ladies, it was like you know Gerard Butler, Tay Diggs, uh, Brad Pitt. So you know what I'm saying. Like we all fall in love. I mean, last year I fell in love with a with a uh, a s'mores blizzard from Dairy Queen. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's it's really easy to fall in love, and that's not that's not the problem. Falling in love is not the problem. It, it, that's easy. It's it's married people know that staying in love is the hard work, right? So that's why we joke about it. Like, you know, all the singles, they want to be married, and all the marrieds, they want to be single. Yeah, you know, in a, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, right? Sometimes. But it's a challenge because we're talking about two different individuals, right, with two different lives coming together as one, and you look at it, and it's really almost an impossibility. Without God, that, that would not be possible. The two become one. It's something that he blesses. And so, you know, we got people with two different backgrounds, two different sets of parents. The, the way you were raised was different. you got different ways of thinking. And, uh, and, and then to complicate the issue, every message we get from, on relationships from TV, from magazines, or movies is that if you're married, it sucks to be you. And that's simply not true. Uh, if you watch TV nowadays, 92% of the sex that is happening on TV is happening between people that are unmarried, right? And so what they, what they do is it communicates to us that married people, the, the sex that they're having is boring. And it's simply, it's simply not true. They depict affairs. People that, that we watch on TV that are having affairs, they're like, well, my, my sex life at home is boring and this is the only way to spice it up, right? They're selling you a lie that that's the way to, to live again and to feel that again. And it's just simply not true. They want you to think that, that married people are, are lights out, single position only, that's it. We're boring people. That's all we've got, right? That's what they want you to think. And it's, it, again, it's not true. And I, I, I want to quote a great theologian about love in general when we're talking about this. And um, the great theologian that I speak of is Chris Rock. And, uh, and he speaks about love. And he says, he says, if you've never contemplated murder, then you've never actually fallen in love. Right? He said, if you've never gone to the store, bought a shovel, bought a bag, and a carpet to roll up a body in, all while practicing your alibi, you've never actually been in love. <laughs> And, um, and so that's the reason why we do this series, okay? It's to be as clear as possible that marriage doesn't necessarily suck. It's not lame, all right? Your spouse doesn't have to be the old ball and chain. It is possible to get to a place in your relationship where you actually enjoy it, right? 
and where it's healthy, where you're excited to see your spouse walk through the door, where they are your best friend. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful place to be, and it is possible. What's not possible is that you're going to come to an agreement on every single issue. It's just not going to happen. That's a, that is a horrible expectation for you to walk into marriage thinking that that is going to happen. Actually, it, it, guys, let me just clue you in. It kind of does happen, and it's kind of it, whatever they think is what's right. Okay, Just know that, all right? That, that will be the healthiest for you. So you can come to an agreement. It will always be what she says. But what is not possible is that you're going to get to a point where you feel completely compatible with this person because the person to whom you're married is is very different they're human they've got they've got differences about them and we enter into marriage with so many of those differences that working through those differences is just what it sounds like work it is work right and marriage is probably the first time in any of your lives for those of you who are married who have actually stayed through something to work on it right because think about it prior to marriage if you were just dating somebody that if you were, there were differences, if there was a problem, what do you do? You shut down, you pack up, you broke up, you fed up, dunsies, you go home, post on Facebook, and it's over, right? You unfriend them, block them, do whatever you need to do. That's it. But in marriage, you have to deal with things you never thought of. You have to actually take them head on. Some things you may have never thought of. Who will clean? Who will cook? How often will we have sex? How many kids will we have? Who will take care of the kids? Who will do the laundry? How about the yard work? How about the home repairs? How often do we have sex? <laughs> Who's going to have to work? Who will handle the money? Where do we go for holidays? How often do we get to have sex? Where will we live? How often will we take vacation? Who gets to hold the TV remote? And unless I forget the last one, how often do we get to have sex? Right? So I, I, I'd say it's safe to, safe to say that unless you've been married, you, you didn't have to deal with these questions, right? You, your single life, you don't have to deal with those. You know the answer to those things. Most of those things are, are I'm going to do all the work, I'm going to do the, the laundry, I'm going to do all that stuff. But when you get married, that all changes. And the reason it's so difficult is, is in marriage is because of these questions. The problem is, is when we hit difficulty or we hit, hit something head on, things begin to come out of us. As pressure is applied to us, you know, as, as we face a difficulty... Uh, these things come out of us. We didn't even know we're there, right? We're, we're squeezed by life, maybe by child uh, raising or being pregnant or even the, the process of that or a medical condition comes along. Any kind of pressure that is applied to life, the things that, that are in you from your upbringing and all the baggage that comes along with it, the stuff that you thought you just put into your past gets squeezed out of you. And next thing you know, the person that you married is not the same person that you married. They are different, man. And you're like, where in the world did that kind of stuff come from? And so we start to blame, oftentimes, if it's coming out of us, we start to blame the other person and say, well, it's your fault that I'm this way. It's your fault that I'm insecure. No, it's not. It's your fault that you're insecure. Deal with that through prayer, and let's pray about it together. Let's work through it together. I know I'm pointing right at you, Angie, but I'm not pointing at you. I'm just, I'm just looking. You're a focal point. You're, you're shaking like this. It's kind of awkward over that way. So you're, No, I'm just kidding. It's not. It's not. I'm just kidding. So, but stuff just starts coming out of us, right? And it's our issues, and we've we probably never had to deal with them before, before we were married, right? But now they're like facing us. It's like, what do I do? I've got to face this. And so, like, if you're a fearful person, then anxiety starts to come out of you. If you're a proud person, then selfishness comes out. You know, if you're not flexible, making demands starts to come out. If you're undisciplined, then you become unreliable in your marriage, and that starts to show itself. If you're a perfectionist, then criticisms begin to flow from you like never before towards towards your your partner. And so it's into this complexity that the author of Hebrews speaks. And it says in Hebrews 13, 4, it says, Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. So when you say that in light of, okay, this person is changing. Like they're becoming somebody that I didn't know. The pressure is on and now they're acting this way. How do I remain faithful? How do I 
deal with that? How do I continue to love them? How do you stay in love with somebody through the pressures of life when they become different? In order to answer this, I think we have to go back to the beginning of your marriage. I think we have to go back to your wedding day and look at that wedding day because on your wedding day, there were some things that were optional and then there are things that were foundational on your wedding day, okay? Some of the things, and you may or may not agree with this, ladies, about things that are optional, but I'm going I'm to let you know honestly, regarding or having an impact or an influence on your marriage today, these things are optional. Here, here's some of the things that are optional. The expensive clothes. Those are optional that day, right? The wedding dress that you'll never wear again, that you'll put on a box and, and never look at again. That's optional. You don't need a wedding dress. <clears throat> the tux that the groom wore, because honestly, nobody really looks at the groom anyway, right? I mean, I don't think I've ever been to a wedding and said, oh my gosh, did you see the groom? He was just radiant. He was just, he was just radiant. I, I almost think that the groom might be optional at a wedding. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the reception halls, the ring bearers, the flowers, the dancing, all of it, all those things are optional. There are things that we decide to do at our wedding that have nothing to do with the foundation of our wedding. What's, what is indispensable at, on the day of your wedding is that at some point you're going to exchange vows. And those vows can be written by yourself. You can write them write them, and have very personal ones. Your pastor or the guy doing, doing the service can give them to you and you repeat after me or traditional, non-traditional, whatever it is, at some point in time, you will exchange vows. And these vows are your promise to them. That's the through sickness and health for better or worse, through all, yeah, richer or poorer, till death do us part. That's a promise that you make to that other person that I will be there. You exchange those vows, and, and that vow is a covenant that you make. It's a commitment that you make. Now, the, the problem I have with understanding or our, our modern-day understanding of this commitment is we look at, at, at relationships two different ways. There's the consumer type of relationship and the covenant kind of relationship. Marriage is a covenant kind of relationship. A consumer kind of relationship is my relationship with my bank, okay? I like Chase Bank. I like it. I like it that it's, it's close. It's just down the street from my house. I like it that when I go in there, they know my name. I know people there. I know their names. They know my names. I like that I don't get any fees on my checking account. Like, I like those things. I should be getting paid for talking nice about Chase today. I should be. But I like Chase Bank. Now, if Chase Bank ever starts charging me a fee or some of the people that I like at that bank, if they quit and leave and they're no longer there and nobody knows my name, well, I might be like, deuces and duck lips, Chase. I'm out. I'm going to go find another bank, Right? Now, so, so if things change, I can do that. Or if it becomes difficult, or if I get a fee and I'm like, hey, and they won't waive it, I'm going to go somewhere else. That's a consumer kind of relationship. And dating is kind of that consumer kind of relationship, right? Like when you're dating, you are like advertising. You are at your best. You are showing your best. Like, you know, this online dating. Like you get, you get to put together a profile, right? And you're like, <laughs> you're like, you know, everything the best about you is there, right? Nobody, no guy ever posts, lives in the basement with mom, would prefer a woman who likes to cook and clean up after me. Uh, probably not going to go on dates and if we do you're going to have to pay don't really have a job not interested in working uh gonna want you to play you know world of warcraft with me and um and you know deal with my long toenails like yeah you know nobody says that yeah right it's just not in your profile what, what's in your profile is something that's going to be attractive because and and you know and then they finish it all off with email me at hotmail at hotmail.com yeah that's not that's not that is not uh that is not the proper advertisement okay so that's a consumer today dating is a consumer relationship when we start dealing with marriage marriage is a covenant relationship a, a, co- a covenant relationship is like the, my relationship with my kids 
my kids can misbehave, they can talk back to me, they can be disobedient, uh, you know, they, they can get bad grades, but I'm not going to walk out on them. I am in a committed relationship with my kids. That there's nothing that is going to separate me from them. I may be angry at them some days, but I still love them. And I'm going to work through whatever it is to make sure that there's peace and that we grow together. And, and so that's what a covenant relationship is like, right? And, and, and that's what we've got in marriage. It says, I'm bound to you. I'm not going anywhere. And so you have to get to a point where you see your marriage as a lifetime commitment. Now, for those of you that have gone through a divorce that are in this room, I am not trying to shame you in any way because I'm, I'm a divorcee as well. I've been divorced. I, I understand that, that some, there are just some things and there are some people that are irreconcilable and you go through some, some tragic things. I'm not shaming you at all. I'm saying that from today forward, you have the opportunity to choose to look at marriage as a, this is a lifelong thing and I'm going to work through whatever I can to, make, to stick with you and to be with you, Right? And so they say that two-thirds of married people who are at a place in their life where they are like, I can't take anymore, I'm almost done. Two-thirds of those people that are there, if they would just hang on, that within five years they'll be back happy again, the things will be resolved. These are just statistics, folks. And so if you just hang on, if you just stick with it, you'll find happiness. The difficulty here in navigating the relationship is that sometimes we do things that make our, our spouse feel in, insecure, we, we do subtle things, and we don't even mean to. Like, I, I like to scare my kids, okay? Uh, I don't know if you know this about me, or if you've ever been scared by me, you understand. Um, and, and if you were here when I actually explained my scare technique a few months ago, then, then you know how I do it. Kyle can tell you that it works with success. She's scared, scared her husband pretty good with my technique. And uh, I don't like to just startle you. I like to have deep fear to where you've lost your mind. And um, because I study those kind of psychological things, I'm good at it, and I know how to do it. Talk to me later. I'll tell you how to do it if you want to get somebody. It's awesome. <clears throat> they will cry instantly, like instant, like, woo! Uh, anyway. So, um, so I scare my kids, and, 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 and it's no wonder I ask my kids. I'm like, hey, you know, go upstairs, take a shower, go get in your pajamas. And they're like, well, can, can, can he come with me? Can she come with me? No. Go, you're, you're 10. Go get dressed. Go take a shower. What are you afraid of? There's no boogeyman upstairs. Don't be afraid. Look, God did not give us a spirit. I start quoting scripture to them, and they're like, okay, yeah, well, I know those scriptures, Dad. I said, so what are you afraid of? You. <laughs> True story. True story. I've, I've built this insecurity into my kids because I jump out and scare them a lot. Like, it's just fun. It's just fun. And so they don't want to go upstairs and get dressed because they think, Dad, when they come out of the shower, here's how they come out of the shower. Really slow, and they're looking around every corner, right? So I try to position myself till I know where they, they take that big exhale. Okay, dad's not here. As soon as they do that, that's when I get them. Bam! It's good. It's good. Anyway, why do I tell you that? Not only is it a silly story, it's fun, yeah. But scaring my kids over and over again, I created insecurities in them. I didn't even know I was doing that. I created that. And we do the same thing. We do that. Guys, if you flirt with a girl, whether, whether it's intentional or you're just over-friendly with a girl, whether your spouse says something about it or not, she becomes insecure because you're doing that. And that's one of those things that should be talked about, right? Or if, if, guys, if you joke about divorce, guys or gals, if you joke about divorce, it creates cracks in your relationship. My wife and I will never even mention the word divorce. Why? Because it's not, it's not in our vocabulary. We're not going to get a divorce. That's just period. Done. We're in this to win it all the way to the end. I want to kiss her on her 50th anniversary. Past that, I'm not sure. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> Let's see how we get to how it works when we get to 50. Just kidding. I love you. Hmm. She just goes, mm-hmm. 
Or when you're constantly pointing out, you know, issues or flaws in, in your spouse, criticism, it brings insecurities in your relationship. But if you're in it to win it and you want to get to a point in your marriage where, you're, where it's growing and it's happy, then you have to learn to communicate that I am with you for the long haul. I'm not going anywhere. I believe in you. I believe in us. And so in the way that you communicate, no matter what's happening, if there's insecurities there, you need to deal with those. It's, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. For singles, I know that you think that marriage is giving up your freedom, right? This is the pushback that you give me when we talk about marriage. And, and you know, I know it's a hard sell. Singles, if you talk to anybody married, how's your marriage going? You know, they're like, eh, it's all right. It's okay. It's not like, you know, your brand new car that you're driving. Oh, like this car is awesome. Or I went to this new restaurant. It's amazing. It's like, you know, everybody asks about marriage. It's like, it's okay. It's going okay. It's like, that is the hardest sell, right? It's like, man, I don't want to get married. If everybody I talk to is just going okay. So for singles, I understand you have pushback, and, and freedom is one of those things that you identify. You're like, no, I lose my freedom when I get married. But I would say to you that's not necessarily true. I think, I think that a long-term commitment actually produces freedom. Long-term commitment does. Because don't confuse freedom for independence, right? Independence says I don't, I don't answer anybody. I go to where I want. I do what I want, when I want. Like that's, That is independence. But freedom, oh, freedom is beautiful. Freedom is something that you experience only when you're sitting down with, with another person you genuinely love, knowing that they know you and you know them. You know all their dirt. You know all their flaws. You know all their faults. I know their past. I know their present. And, and I know their failures. And I'm comfortable here because they love me. They love me. That's freedom. That is freedom. And so, you know, uh, for me, uh, what, what was freedom? Freedom freedom's like this. For me, I, I, I have a, um, since I was 16, I've had a deck of cards on me. Because I, I love sleight of hand magic. And I forgot my cards. I didn't bring them with me today. But I, I do have a business card. And since I've, I was 16, I've, I've been practicing. I've been working on my magic. I've been pushing myself for hours. I would sit in the mirror and watch myself do, do tricks and moves and things so that I could fool you guys. Right? And one of the things that I do, this, it's just the vanish of a, pl- of a card like that. You watch that? Look. Just watch it. Look, it, looks, it looks pretty cool, doesn't it? Look. It's at my fingertips and it's gone. It's just that simple. Look. One more time. And of course, you, you probably know where it is. You think it's on the back of my hand, and it's not. It's, it's actually over here. I didn't even take it that time. But, but look, we're talking about something as simple as this. Look, I'm going to show it to you. This, sorry, Chris. I apologize. Chris is a magician, too. That's it. That's the move. And when you look at that, and you look, and you see me do that, and you're like, wow, I'll bet I could do that, too. Hey, Aaron, teach it to me. I'm, I want to do it at a party tonight I'm going to. Yeah, no, you're not. No, no, you're not. You think you can do that and make it look as good as that? So by tonight, good luck. Because that was hours and hours of my life. All that tells you about me is that I have no life. <laughs> I was younger. What do you want? Lived in a basement. So that I watched myself over and over again. And so the point is, is that when you work on something, when you're, when you're in it to win it with your spouse, you, you're working on it. And so people look at your relationship and they think that it looks easy. They're like, I want that. Well, no, you don't. Because if you wanted that, then you do the things that I did to get that. If you wanted that, you would do something you've never done before so that you could have something you've never had before. Right? And so I, I know that, that this, this slide of th- hand thing looks, it looks easy, but I'll, I'll give you a business card after service if you want to. You can give it a shot. I'll even show you how to do it. Good luck with that. Do it at a party tonight. Charge them $50 an hour. Just do that. Bam, 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 bam. But when you work at it, you make it look easy for everybody else, but that's, that, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah. <coughs> So why, why do I tell you all these things? I, I tell you all these things because to have the kind of freedom that you see in others' lives, it will take time. It will take effort. Your marriage will take time. It will take effort. It is going to take work. And, uh, and so at this time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring my wife up. 
And uh, come on up here, baby. Everybody give, give my wife a round of applause. She is, um, she's not used to being up in front of everybody, but she did, she did really well first service. I was proud of her. And uh, so don't blow up this service, okay, babe? All right. So let me, let me show you. Uh, this is Shanda. And um, uh, Shanda, how, how long have we been married now? How many years? Almost nine. How many years? Eight. Eight. How many days? Don't know. 355. Eight years, 355 days. We, we, have, we celebrated an anniversary, our ninth anniversary, in 10 days. What day? June 18th. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should just check it. She got that. Uh, and how would you rate our marriage now? Eight. I'd say nine. That's all right, though. I'd say nine. Now, when we were going through all of our struggles and all of our difficulties, how would you have rated our marriage then? About a two. Still would have said a nine. That's okay, though. <laughs> this, is, this is where we're different. This is the work. We're working on it. We're trying to... We can average those, you know, nine and two. It's a... It's like a five or six. <laughs> but uh, let, me, let me show you. This is our, our bro- my bride and I on our wedding day, uh, June 18, 2005. That's a 19, was it a 65 Mustang? Yep. Yep, 65 Mustang. Now, I did not know that that thing didn't have power steering, folks, and I had never driven a car without power steering, so <laughs> this is not my car. Borrowed car, and I'm like, dear Lord. <laughs> She's wanting to hold my hand, and I'm like, let go, lady, let go. Um, well, that was our wedding day. And see, that's what we think love is. We're like, yeah, that's it. You know, top down and she's beautiful. And I cried when I saw her. And, you know, it's in the gown and the flowers and his hair was blonde. Why is his hair blonde? But it was blonde. It's like, you know, you look, it's like, that's love, right? Let me show you what real marriage is. Hit the next one. That was our real wedding day right there. That was babies crying. Nobody had lunch. Nobody had naps. They were crying on the front row through the whole... Like right there. And we're like, okay. Uh, yeah, she's like, dear God. You know, because I was crying. Tyler was okay because he had his binky, but Trent was just a hot mess. And, uh, and we were just sitting up. Trent's the one on the right-hand side that wouldn't look at the camera. And Kasaya uh, wanted Nana, who's over this. I mean, like, it was just, it was a mess. That's, that's marriage. That's real marriage. All right, you can put that away. Thanks. So hopefully you guys have taken some time to fill out some questions. Shannon and I are going to do some sharing. You, you use that website. Anybody fill out some questions for us? Now again, on these questions that you submitted, I, I don't. I don't promise that we'll get to all of them. We'll, we'll maybe spend ten minutes at the end answering some questions. But, but Shannon, tell tell us a little bit about your background, please, and so that we can understand. And why tell us about the background? Because I want you to understand her background, so that when we talk about our struggles, you you, you kind of get that. I grew up in Kentucky until I got married and moved here. Um, my parents were married for almost 25 years before my dad died when I was 16. Um, I have one older sister. She's about eight years older than me. And now I have a stepdad and four stepsisters as well. But uh, Growing up, I was the baby and treated as such. Mm-hmm. So might have been a little bit spoiled, a little bit. Just a little bit. And, and and regarding regarding how you grew up, like uh, I came from a very disciplined home. You came from a very. Um, I kind of got my way a lot, and I would hold my breath till I passed out if I didn't. And my dad spanked me one time when I was little, and three. I cried. She was three. I was about three, and it was just a little swat on the leg, but it hurt my feelings, and I cried till I passed out. And, and that, that was, was the only spanking that I ever got. But probably not the only one I deserved. Yeah, right. So I grew up uh, here in Columbus, and um, my my mom and dad divorced when I was younger. It was me and my older brother, 
and uh, my mom and dad divorced, and my mom my mom had us and, and married another uh, another gentleman uh, who became my father. He adopted me, so um, gave me his last name, and, and uh, we lived happily ever after. Well, no, not necessarily, but but he's been my dad, and uh, ever since, and um, and I so and then I had a younger brother come along as a result of that marriage, and so I. It was three boys in the house, and just my mom, my poor mom, plus my dad, so four boys in the house. And uh, I grew up in a very strict home because my mom ran daycare during the day out of her home. My dad worked swing shift, and so, you know, barking orders was very common around my house. If somebody yelled my name, it was because I was in trouble or I left my shoes somewhere. It was more, it was was constant maintenance around our house to keep things going, otherwise things would have just fallen apart. And so I don't blame them. They did the best that they could. I I don't have any qualms about that, but... But there was it was a very disciplined house, and uh, you did your chores at this time. You know, we we quoted Bible verses at dinner time. You know, and and or the the Ten Commandments, or we're very regimented lives. You know, so we went to church at this time, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It was very regimented that way, and so um, you know, we we got spanked in my house, and I got spanked a lot, uh, not as much as my older brother, or uh, and and not and way more than my younger brother, because he didn't. He's kind of like Shanda; he didn't get spanked much, but. Uh, but my older brother got beat a lot, and I got beat a little. And they said it's because I had such a tender heart. Well, when I did something wrong, they could just look at me, and I would cry. I would say that I was just a good manipulator at an early age, but whatever. Ahead <laughs> of my time. But um, but no, we came from I came from a disciplined background as well, and so you know, coming into the marriage, I'm very I'm very disciplined. I'm very familiar with barking orders. I'm very familiar with with just being like this is how it is. Rigid. Rigid is what she would say. And so that carried into our relationship. And um, so, so how did, how did I, the, the question is, how did our background play into the first few years of our marriage? And, and that's, how it, how it, that's, that's how it affected us is because I, I came from very disciplined. Like I wanted the kids to be, I was a heavy disciplinarian. She was a disciplinarian, but not heavy. And so like, you know, the kids are like, Daddy, can mommy whoop us, please? Because I don't want you to whoop us. And I was like, no, I'm doing it this time, you know. Um, <laughs> But she she was the grace to, to balance us out and and that was great. Um, but for between us, you know that be, that made you know what that made me that made me a jerk. I was very rigid. I was very formal. I was like this. I just spoke my mind. I didn't care how you felt about that. I'm just gonna speak my mind. And and I'm still that way to a point. But I've learned to to deliver it differently. To deliver it with grace and to find different ways to say things. And and um, I w- I was very hurtful to her, um, even in expressing my emotions or my feelings. And and that was that was difficult for us. Do you have anything you want to say? Um, when we would argue in the beginning of our marriage, <clears throat> um, the way he was so harsh with his words, I would just shut down. <clears throat> and I didn't know how to, no one ever talked to me that way. And so I had a hard time with that. And instead of saying what I want or how I felt, I would just freeze up and... I know that might be hard to believe the people that know me now because I don't have a problem with that anymore. Mm-hmm. No, she doesn't. She's, she's been healed, folks. She's been delivered. <laughs> but that, that was just really difficult in the beginning. Yep. Um, one of the other questions is, what, what's our biggest struggle in our marriage? And um, I'd have to say, I'll answer this one and, and she can chime in, but uh, one of the biggest struggles was one of the, the silent struggles for us because I was addicted to pornography when we came into the marriage relationship and she didn't know. She didn't know that I that the issue was there. She thought it was dealt with. She knew it was something from my past. But didn't know it was ongoing, and um, and I had seen how she responded to some of her friends 
her girlfriends who had discovered that the boy was was viewing pornography and it was big explosion breakup eyes ah, disgusting and I was like oh crap I can't I can't tell my wife about this if I tell her I'm in I'm in trouble you know it'll be, it'll be the end of this and so for five years until until I confessed it and dealt with it and, and God delivered me from the addiction part of it I wasn't I wasn't even able to tell her and even even more so after it was a year and a half after I was delivered from the addiction of it and, and that I was able to finally tell her. And, and that affected us. That affected our relationship. There was days I hated her. There was days I loved her. And it was because of the way porn affected my thoughts. It was the way porn affected us. Our, our, our sex life suffered. And, uh, and it was just really... So, so here's what happened. After five years of marriage, and you know we're coming on nine years, after five years of marriage, God sets me free. It's something I can't tell her about. All of a sudden, our relationship starts getting better and she doesn't know why. She has no idea what's happened. She doesn't get it. But she knows something has changed and it's better. And so a year and a half later when I was finally able to confess it, she looked back on all the junk and she was like, really? That's what all that was. That's what all that struggle was. Yeah, I, it was very confusing for me, um, things that were going on. And it kind of all became clear once he confessed. And I can honestly say I know a lot of people may use the excuse of, uh, pornography to spice up your marriage or in the bedroom or whatever. Yeah, but danger, danger. I can honestly say our life in that department is so much better. How would you rate it now versus <laughs> then? Now? Now, yeah. About a nine. About a nine, okay, all right. There's always room for improvement. I guess so. <laughs> 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 you I did, I asked. One of the one of the other things that we came into with the marriage is, is um, that I've been married before, and so now not only does she like you know I, I came into the marriage and the marriage dissolved within a year because of some indiscretion, some there's some trust issues and some things that happened there, and and I could not uh, we, so we, we divorced, and I brought that into the marriage, and even though I knew she was not the one who was not to be trusted, I didn't trust any woman at all, and so I would tell her regularly, I don't trust you. She wanted to go out, you can't go out. I was. I was deflecting those feelings that I had, the insecurities that I had onto her. And, and I, I was smart enough to know that it wasn't her fault, but I was still going to hold her accountable. I was still like, yeah, I don't, I don't trust you right now. I would say hurtful things to her because of the way that I felt, which I knew weren't her fault, but I didn't care. I feel this way. I'm telling you. And that's what I did. I'd call her and say, this is how I feel right now. And I know this is not your fault and I'm dealing with it. I'm willing to let you go, but this is how I feel. Uh, but it wasn't always that way. There's even, even just a few months ago, you know, the insecurities from 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 not uh, from something different, but my insecurities they rear their heads every now and then. You know, she when we came into a dating relationship as well. You know, I I had been with one girl my whole life. You know, and and I was with her before we were married, but we you know sexually, and then we got married and then divorced, and that's that was my one. And it was different for Shanda, and she felt like she needed to tell me. And so her past relationships always made me feel insecure and feel like I was insufficient, that I was not good enough in lots of different departments and areas for her. And uh, and so I, I suffered insecurities, and and I of course I just made her suffer for that. Words that I said, the thing, the way that I treated her was horrible. And um, you know the way she responded and was was oftentimes in grace, but not always. Not always. I mean, it was in the past. I had not done anything as far as our relationship went, and I was like, "That's just something you're going to have to get over." And that was hard for me because there was, at the time, we didn't know to pray with each other. 
we didn't know to, to bring things before God. It was just, you deal with it. That's your issue. Deal with it. But it, folks, let me just tell you that it, it is the power of the Holy Spirit that changes hearts. That is it. That is it. If you want your heart changed, it's not something you can work on and do yourself. Submit yourself in prayer. Tell God you want your heart to change. He'll change it. That's, that's just the truth. And we didn't know that. And so we, we continued to struggle with that until we learned that. You know? and, and then, of course, you know, now I'm insecure, so insecure about relationships that I won't let her have a boy's phone number in her phone. And yet she still has to – I still have an ex-wife with, with, that I have children with and she has to see on a regular basis. And so now she's – it's not fair. You know, it's not fair. It was like he doesn't – you know, is, I'm so far removed from that. And, you know, I had a daughter before we got married – we she does not see her dna provider and um you know it i still have to see you know his ex-wife i had to learn how to build a relationship with her i've learned to navigate the delicacies of shared mommyhood that's right. that was a nice way to say that <laughs> but it was hard it was hard she was always you know around i had to deal with that and i'm like you don't even have like I don't I didn't understand why it was a problem for him yeah I'm like, and it's not that they fought or anything or that there was some issues between them because they they could sit on the soccer soccer sidelines and, and be friendly with each other that, that's not even the thing it was just I have to deal with your ex how come you don't have to deal with mine this is not fair and so that was a another tension for us to solve and then um, one of the one of, again one of the quieter ones because we we're just private we're private people and, and um, a year into our marriage one of our children was assaulted and um you know, everybody's okay, everybody's fine, but she was with, with the child that was assaulted by a stranger, and um, that weighed heavy on her because she felt like it was her fault. And even though, you know, the, the, the court case and the, the police that did the investigation, the, the, the person who did it confessed, uh, it, was, it was hard for her, and it was hard. And here's, what I, and here's why it was hard is, is because she was, you know, we only been married a year. She didn't know anybody here. Her family was all in Kentucky and she bottles everything up and doesn't tell anybody anything anyway so it was years before she even told her family that the the assault had happened and um, so we privately dealt with that we didn't know that hey sharing and praying with other people would would help us deal with that but the, one of the biggest things that happened for us and and that was an ongoing thing was you know she went to the the the, the court trial that the sentencing and I I said well the kids already confessed it's I've never seen him before I don't, I, if I saw him, I'd, I'd beat him. And so I don't want to go. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to send you, and you're going to go by yourself. That was incredibly insensitive on my part. And two years later, we're laying in bed, and I just had a thought. And I realized how insensitive it was. It was the first time. It was two years later. And I turned to you, and I said, that was really rude of me. I can't believe I didn't even consider your feelings. I only thought about me. I didn't think about how you felt about that day and how difficult that day was for you. And I didn't go with you. And I could have taken time off work, and I'm sorry. I probably cried for about 24 hours straight. Yeah, But we have a great joke out of it now. Anytime we fight, I'm like, hey, I'm not going to hear about this two years later, am I? Because it was like, it was like two years later that we resolved I, that. I had held that against him without really thinking about it for two years. And all that unforgiveness, all that, that anger is just underlying it is affecting our relationship. It's affecting our parenting. It was affecting our sex life. It was affecting all those things. And, and for, when forgiveness rushes in, folks, when you're able to forgive, when you're able to resolve, everything's better. Tensions are gone. And, and it's just like this explosion of blessing in your marriage. And, and um, 
That's great. So what, what would you say our turning point was? Um, the Probably the rural marriage small group that we did. At C3? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It was there that we learned to confess. It was there that we learned to seek forgiveness from each other. It was there that we learned to pray with one another. It was there that we that we learned to do these things. And so we, we started processing through it. It was a result of reading. It's a book by Mark and Grace Driscoll. They're pastors in Seattle. And, um, and so we read this book called Real Marriage. And in it, he talked about unloading your baggage and, and dealing with that stuff. And I was like, wow, it's okay to share my sin? It's okay to talk about it? It's okay to confess it? Yeah, it's beautiful. You know, I'm temp- when I'm tempted to, to view pornography now, you know who I get to call because I've shared it with her? I get to call her. I get to call her and say, hey, uh, there's temptation today. And for any of you that have, have ever, ever dealt with addiction, you understand that it doesn't matter how clean you are, it doesn't matter how much you fight, those things still, those, those, somebody comes knocking on the door. And what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to call my accountability partner. It's her. And I call her and, and she encourages me. She prays with me, prays for me. When she hangs up the phone, just get out of the house, go spend some time with so-and-so or get someplace. That's beautiful to me. That is, I don't care. You can judge me if you want to. That's fine. You don't, you don't understand. You don't know. You don't know what it's like. But I have that in her, and it's now beautiful that I can talk to her about that and, and that I get to lean on her in that way. And we learned that from that class that we took, and that was, that was a turning point for us. God began to shift our relationship. And so you know, now, now I'm an eight in our marriage. It's great. But uh, <laughs> what would you say is different about our marriage now? We need to take some questions and wrap up. Um, I, I am able to communicate better now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a more tender heart towards listening to me and not just, so this is the line, this is where everything But that, all that didn't come easy, though, did it? No. That took work. That took practice. <clears throat> that took trying it out, trial and error, and how we deal with it, you know, having arguments and still coming back around and saying, all right, we've, we violated our rules. We have, we have rules for arguing. I don't know if you have those. You need to get them. We have rules, and if we violated them, we come back and say, hey, you, you, you broke your promise to me during the, during the argument. You, you, and and we, we submit ourselves to each other that way. And we deal with it. Is our marriage perfect? Some of you are sitting out there and you're listening. You're like, that's the only issues you've got in your marriage? That's nothing. Well, but it was everything to us. It was everything to us. And, uh, and, and God's still working on us. And we're, we're not, I'm not sitting up here saying we are the example. I am telling you that you can have love. You can have a beautiful relationship with your spouse. It takes work. You've got to learn to forgive, learn to pray. Read marriage books together. Do these kind of things. Go on marriage retreats. Go on vacation together. Go on date nights. We go on date nights. Almost every Friday night we have a date night of some sort. Whether we have other people join us or not, we do. Go on dates. Date each other. Do the things that it, that it took to win them in the first place. Continue to pursue. Continue to pursue. Yeah. You know, I, I, I said this. Uh, did I say this in service or not? But I, I have a plan. You know, like, like oh, no. We'll, we'll get to questions. It'll probably come out in the questions. Kyle, let's just let's just... Look over the questions for me or whoever's going to read the questions back there if you'd read us a few questions. Look, we are incredibly nervous to do this, so let's have it. Let's do it. First question. First question. <clears throat> How many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop? <laughs> Three. Next. <laughs> um, okay. See, that's marketing. Everybody knew the answer to that. One, two, three. Next. Oh, is it two? Oh, it's a bite. Yeah, okay. I thought he said, I thought Mr. Al said three. Next question. We'll try this one. What does a person do when things happen within a marriage and you find yourself falling out of love with your spouse? 
Bum, bum, bum. We talked a little bit about this last week, and that's that chemistry, right? You feel like, I don't have chemistry with this person. And I think the issue there is you're confusing chemistry with love, uh, whoever, whoever this is for. Um, chemistry is like, oh, it's hot, it's passionate, it's awesome. We have so much in common. We're laughing, we're talking. I, I would tell you that if you are pro- falling out of love, there are unresolved issues to deal with, and you are probably fed up with whatever you're dealing with. Either it's your your resolve to not change or your spouse's resolve to not change or to at least be willing to acknowledge or deal with them or seek forgiveness or to grow together. I, I think I think that because we falling in love is easy, but staying in, in love is, is that hard work. It is that it is that labor being committed to it. And so when you if you find yourself falling out of love, the first thing you need to do is get some help, get some counseling, see me. See Shanda. Let's spend some time together. Let's talk about what's actually going on because I can guarantee you there is somebody else you are talking to that is treating you a lot better than your spouse is right now and you just think that's amazing and you are identifying that as love and it is not. You are being lied to. Next. <laughs> see? See how I am? See how I'm just mic dropper? Like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Solved. Anybody else next? <laughs> How do you break through the fatigue of the day so it doesn't stop you from having sex? Mm. <laughs> Look, somebody said Red Bull. Look, let me tell you, I'm the worst about this. Like, uh, you know, here's, here's some insight into us. I have said no to sex more than my wife has. And she can count on one hand. <laughs> Honestly, we, we keep track of how many times she's actually said no to me. And I'm... Sometimes it's just for him. Yeah, I get that. You know that we weren't talking about that. We were just saying the, the fatigue of it. I get tired. I, I'm tired. You know, about ten thirty, I'm done. I'm like, look, you have been home since five. We have had plenty of time here. It is late. We get up at five thirty to go to the gym, and like, I'm I'm beat. I'm done. So how do you get through the fatigue? It's something we learned. You're tired. You got a headache. Whatever it is, you don't feel like doing it. That's what you're gonna say. We we learned it in the in the real marriage class. It was a life changer for us. It was something so simple. Just get started. You'll get in the mood. It's the truth. Things kind of start going. Biology takes over. and Nobody said it has to be a power session. You know what I'm saying? I am sorry. I'm embarrassing so many people here. I am. But I'm just saying, like, look, it doesn't have to be. You don't, you don't have to feel like doing it. You can just, you can. Then, like she said, it can be for the other person. And you don't have to, you know, yeah. All right. Are we satisfied with that answer? Okay, next. Give me one more. All right. What's a nice way of saying I don't feel like cuddling all of the time? Oh, I think that was it. Yeah. Uh, look, I've, I've, you know, yeah. What's a nice way to say that? My, my, my concern with, with that question is, is more than... So I don't know how to answer that. My concern is the nature of the question. To me, that seems like a very simple thing to handle. And if you have difficulties being honest about something like that, you're going to have a lot of difficulties when it's more important. You know, uh, cuddling may... It, no, your love language may be touch. And so cuddling may mean a lot to you. And uh, Shanda enjoys touch. She... I don't want to like lay in bed next to me. I'll handle a little bit of cuddling, but I don't want to be pushed on. Don't don't squeeze on me. Don't restrict me. I don't want it. She, on the other hand, she wants me wrapped around her just like this. She's loving this right now, even in front of me. Aren't you, baby? You're loving this, aren't you? Yeah, she likes it, okay? 
So, like, she, she wants that, and, but she knows I don't. And so I've just been honest in the relationship, but there's give and take there. There's give and take, and there has to be give and take. So the nature of that question is what concerns me. And, you know. and he knows that I need that sometimes, mm-hmm. and I know that he doesn't always want that. Yeah, I so. never want that. I never, I'll <laughs> accept it, but I never want that. There's times, you know, I just have to let him know, you know, pet me, love uh, yeah, me, yeah. choose me. Yeah, yeah, because I cuddle up on the dog. I love the dog. He's great. I want to hold him. <laughs> I'm just, he's so furry. He, he just, the he just, dog. he just, there are pictures of me cuddling with my dog, are there not? Yeah, I like the dog. I like cuddling with the dog. What does that tell you about me? Maybe you don't want to listen to me at all, folks. Do we have one more that we can do and then, then we'll, we'll close? Yep. So make sure this is an important one. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. How do you show your husband the attention he needs once you have kids without neglecting your kids' needs? Well, I think it's important to have a balance of all of that. And we love spending time with our kids. We... We, since we've we also like our kids to go. We've had kids since we got married, so we didn't have, we dated with our kids. We would take our kids to the movies. That was our date. We, you know, then we would put them to bed, and my mom or his mom would watch them, and then we had our date. Yeah. But, so we've always had to have a balance of that, and so. I, th- I think you have to plan for that. You know, that there's, there's we plan for date I night. I put it on the calendar. Yeah. We, we plan for it. Compatibility testing. Yeah, like, look. 930. Yeah. Like, look. You had to be here last week to know what that is. <laughs> if you need to schedule sex, schedule it. Put it on the calendar. You say, oh, that's way too regimented. No, it's not. You'll be fine. I promise. If you just plan for it, you know, make a plan for that, for that kind of time. You know, look, your kids need to have a bedtime. They don't, they don't need to stay up all night with you, okay? <coughs> My kids have gone to bed from like eight. They go to bed between eight and nine o'clock every night. If they've gone older, it's, it's nine o'clock. That, that's a reasonable time. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that you, your kid can't. Don't, just, I'm saying have a bedtime. Have a decent bedtime so that you have time with your spouse. So that you've got that last hour for us is crucial. I don't care if we're just sitting next to each other watching a movie or Facebooking together. I'll text her from time to time sitting right next to me, you know, I, whatever. It's just our time. Whatever we're going to do with our time, that is our time. Sex is important. Plan for it. You know, I, guys, I plan for sex every single day. <laughs> You're laughing, but I have it now. Whether it actually happens every single day is immaterial to me. When I say I'm planning for sex every day, I am planning. I begin my day because foreplay for a woman is not the five seconds before you begin of, hey, baby, how you doing? You ready to go? It is not that. Foreplay is I get up in the morning before I, I leave, for, if I leave before her, I get up in the morning and I, I caress her shoulder because I learned if I lean in and just kiss her, it startles her and then I get hit in the face and that's not cool. So, so I do this, she opens her eyes and I kiss her. I'm like, hey, I'm taking off. I'm leaving. I kiss her goodbye. Kiss your spouse goodbye. That's foreplay for a lady. Text her during the day. Hey, I'm thinking about you. You want to get her engines revving? That's what you do. He, he leaves me sticky notes. Leave her sticky notes. I, I have a, a dry erase marker and I'll write on the mirror from time to time. Dry erase. It just wipes off. Or on the what? On fruit, he wrote a yeah. message on my banana yeah, that he packed in my lunch. Room. Yeah, like do those kind of things. They're simple things. They're simple. That is foreplay. That is that is going on all day long. And when you stretch it out all day long, when she comes in the door and you greet her, wagging your tail, like, "Hey, babe, what's going on?" She is like, "Come here, you." And she's ready to go. So, if you want to plan, guys, if you want to make a plan to have sex every day, you need to treat your wife all day long like you intend to do that. Otherwise. 
she will just feel like a piece of meat. If you want to have explosive, like good, good kind of sex, like a, a great sex life, you need to do that. And, and that lets her know, that, that lets her feel amazing all day long. She's ready. I don't have to prime the pump. I don't have to get her ready for anything. She's ready to go. At any given time. I know you guys are all making it dirty. You all need adults. <laughs> just, just leave. Just go, Kyle. Kyle needs an adult. Just go. Just <laughs> She's got that deep throaty laugh going on now. <laughs> we got her. We'll have to cut this part out on the podcast. Look, I would love to take more of your questions, but know that if you gave us your email address, I'm going to respond to those things. You know, we, we love you guys. We believe in relationships. We believe in marriage. We believe in, in ourselves. You know, I mean it when I say I want to kiss her on our 50th anniversary. You know, we've worked nine years. I got 41 more years of treating her like I mean it, and I'm going to. But I would encourage you to do the same thing. If you don't have those kind of ideas in your head, begin to think that way. Begin to, to think about your spouse that way. This is a covenant relationship. I'm in it to win it. I'm in it. I believe in you. I believe in me. Yeah, we're going to have things we're going to argue about, but at the end of the day, we love each other and we're going to resolve those things. And so today, for all of you that are spouses here today, I don't, I don't know where you're at. I know we're all over the map regarding our relationships. Some of us are divorced, remarried. Some of us are still married. Some of us are in bad marriages and you feel like, man, I can't take this anymore. For you today, I hope today is an encouragement to you. You know, and I, I, I want to pray for you. So just bow your heads for me. If you're here today and you're, you're in a marriage relationship, you know, and if your spouse is here, I, I want to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask to, you know, make you feel uncomfortable. But if you're here today, I want to pray for you. And, you, and you're having difficulty in your marriage and you're like, Aaron, I'm, I'm, at, the, I'm at the end of what I can do. I want, to, I want to pray hope for you. Because God can restore things and make it beautiful and do beautiful things in your relationship. And at the end of it, when, when God brings you back together and all those issues are resolved, you're like, man, this is amazing. This is beautiful. This is what grace is. This is the love of God. So if you're here today and that's you, I'm going to pray for you now. If you're in a marriage relationship and there's, there's things that just don't feel right, you know, I want to encourage you. You need to begin praying about it. Pray for your spouse. Seek to be forgiven if there's issues that you need to, to find forgiveness. Be willing and ready to give grace and mercy to own your issues and deal with your issues. God intends so much more for you to bless your relationship, to bless that covenant relationship. So Father, I pray for for our married couples that are here today and even those that are going to be entering into the marriage couple or the marriage relationship that are preparing, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just, for those that are weak, for those that are exhausted, Lord, that you would give them hope today, Lord, so that they can carry on strength, God, to, to resolve, to be in it, to win it, to be in this thing till death do us part like they committed to. Grant them the strength, the mercy, the grace to do just that. Lord, for those that are confused or that are looking at their relationship and saying, something's not right here, they're probably right. And I pray that you would begin to deal with their heart about the issues that are there for them and, as they, and, and, and lead them in prayer for their spouse so that they can see the beauty that is in grace, that is in forgiveness, that is in resolving those things and coming together. Lord, I, I, you know, I, this is, I, I, I don't even care. Lord, I pray that you would just bless their sex life, bless their, their marriage, bless their relationship, Lord. Bless them. Lord, may they see things begin to fall off of, their, off of them, the weights and the burdens that they've carried. 
And may you bless their lives, bless them with joy, bless them with peace, bless their friendships. God, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.